Good morning. You are awake. There is absolutely no way this morning that the music and the words in all of those songs could not better fit our topic. I want you to turn with me to Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. As this morning we look at how we are to walk through the trials and tribulations in life with confidence, with encouragement, and with hope. And it's an important text because it deals with life and the realities of life that we face every single day. And my prayer is that it will speak to all of us this morning. And I promise you that I do not have all of the answers. And I don't think anyone does this side of heaven. In fact, if you show me someone who knows all the answers, I'll show you someone that doesn't know all the questions. But I do know not a book, but I do know the book and the one to whom we're always to turn. Last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. This morning is Valentine's Day, and I have a word for you men. If you've forgotten, you still have a few hours to go get a card, candy, and some flowers. And at this late date, an hour, I'd recommend you get all three. <laughs> and if you don't, I promise you that you're going to be facing some rather significant trials and tribulations of your own. Well, Kathy suggested since it's Valentine's Day that I may be changed to a message about love. But this is a message about love because it is only through God's love and the love of his people around us that we can face and walk through the storms in life. And trials and tribulations are a part of life that we cannot avoid. And they are not a respecter of age or the time in life in which they occur. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And every week I get the church's email and I listen to the central focus about all the wonderful opportunities to sign up for of the ministries of our church. But what if this morning, at the end of the message, Central Focus comes on and it offers a hands-on laboratory or boot camp that we could experience real life suffering and trials and how to sign up. There's not a single one of us that would sign up for it. We would simply say, I believe I want to just skip that one. But this morning, some of you find yourself in that laboratory of trials, and you didn't even sign up for it. You didn't even sign up for it. Because you see, trials don't usually come with a forewarning. They usually come unannounced as a surprise in most cases. And I know this morning that 
many of you are hurting. And I want you to know that we, your church family, hurt with you. And we have what seems like an inordinate number of even young people, middle-aged and older people, going through the trials and tribulations of cancer and the treatment of it. We have a number that I am well aware of that are going through crippling and debilitating degenerative diseases. We have, I know, at least two families that in the last six months, they've had the loss of a young husband and a young father. And we all, we all will face the reality of the death of a parent, a grandparent, other family members around us, and the death of a spouse. We have 130 widows in this church. There are many other issues that we see in the home, in the family, in the marriage, and the stress that it imposes and the trials that we go through. Some of you are facing the loss of a job, conflict at work, and it goes on and on, that list of these trials. But one thing is for certain. God knows and God cares about every single one of them. And they have not escaped his attention. There are five words in our text today that I want you to carefully listen for and understand their meaning. The first one is rejoice, trials, perseverance, character, and then hope. And those words, when they're brought together and lived out in our lives, can have a very significant spiritual impact and provide for us an incredible witness and opportunity to minister to others. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and then listen. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And Paul starts out this passage with the good news about our salvation and our eternal relationship and personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul does something else here. He puts in place a strong anchor and a strong spiritual foundation because he knew what he was going to speak about next. And in this last verse, verse 2, we see our first two words, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does rejoice mean? It means triumphant joy with a positive Christian attitude. And attitude is interchangeable in the New Testament with the mind of Christ. And in Philippians, he says, have this mind, have this attitude in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And why are attitudes so very important? Well, let me tell you, our attitudes determine our disposition, our behavior, and our actions toward a circumstance, toward a situation, and also toward people, and even toward our own loving God. Hope. Not hope is defined by the world, because the world defines hope as wishful thinking. 
something that we desire or want to happen. But in the Bible, it means the divine certainty of God's eternal promises. And then we go to verses 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our trials knowing that trials produce perseverance and perseverance produces proven character and proven character produces hope and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Rejoice in our trials. No, that's not what it says. It says, rejoice in our trials knowing that. That's the attitude. That's the spiritual approach and attitude to it. Paul clearly understood what trials were. He'd been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten. He had been conspired against. He'd been mocked. He'd been put in prison. And he had a lifelong health issue that God wouldn't remove. So he knew about trials. And I think that he carefully chose the word trials here to leave absolutely no doubt that the Christian life was not, as some say, pie in the sky and as some people erroneously preach today. He wanted to be real about it. And he wasn't referring to those minor irritations that come up in life so often. Like when you're going down the freeway and there's a guy in the left lane going 50 in a 75. And you get up beside him and finally get to pass him and you look over and he's got a cell phone stuck in his ear. Or trying to get out of our parking lot on a Sunday morning. Or getting in the slow checkout lane at Walmart or HEB. Or at home. It's how the toilet paper is put on the roll. And we all know that it's supposed to go over the top. <laughs> or maybe how the toothpaste tube is squeezed. That used to be an irritation of mine. Because Kathy would catch that toothpaste tube and squeeze it in the middle. And after about a week, you had a glob coming out this end and a glob coming out that end. I once thought, honey, I'm going to put mine on the left side. You put yours on the right side and squeeze. But I came up with a permanent solution. I bought her a tube and I bought me a tube. <laughs> and I roll mine and get every little ounce out of it. She squeezes hers however she wants. I don't care anymore. <laughs> well, these are not trials. They're simply small irritations that have absolutely no eternal significance or purpose. But have you ever noticed in a marriage where irritations seem to drive us apart? They seem to drive us apart. But major trials pull us together. Why is that? Because, you see, we love each other. We care for each other. And we hurt for each other. And there's not a parent or grandparent in this room, when you look at a small child of yours that's really sick, running a high fever, coughing, maybe has a stomach bug, but what you would rather be sick than to watch them suffer. That's something major. That's something major. And Paul did not say, and let's get this straight right up front, he didn't say to rejoice in the trials themselves. But he said rejoice in what the trials produce in our lives to give us a spiritual 
growth and significance and a witness to the other people. So what do they really produce here? What's Paul say? Well, the first one is, he says, trials produce perseverance. And perseverance is one of the most frequently mentioned character traits in all of God's word. And it's always linked to trials, to persevere through those. And perseverance is that steadfastness, it's that endurance to keep on going when the going gets tough. It's to have the courage to not give up and to hang in there. It is also the courage to believe that God is in control and that he loves us and he cares for us. It's like getting to the end of your rope. You tie a knot in it and you hang on. Well, perseverance does one other thing for us that's very positive for our Christian life. And that is it gives us experience to know how later on in the future to handle bigger trials and issues that arise. You've heard the term that a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor because they have to undergo the winds and the waves and all that comes with a major storm. Before 9-11, when I traveled a lot on the airplanes, one of the things that I almost always did was that the cabin door to the cockpit was usually open. And as I walked by, going back to my seat, I always kind of peered in there. You know why? I wanted to see some gray hair. And I wanted a pilot that had been through turbulence and had been through storms that could pilot us through the way. But as much as we go through perseverance, it will never compare to the perseverance that Jesus Christ exhibited for you and me all the way to the cross. And God's had to remind me time and time again in my life, what you're going through doesn't compare to what I put my own son through. You know, perseverance produces something important, as Paul mentioned here, the next one. And that's proven character. And we, most of the time, do not want to undergo the perseverance to get to it. We want a quick fix. And we live today in a world that always is looking for a quick fix. But that's not the way God works when he builds character, when he builds strength into our hearts and into our lives. You know, I can go over here to Gold's Gym, and I am not going to build up physical muscle by watching someone else lift weights. You're not going to build up spiritual muscle and character unless we go through the fire of training ourselves. And this word proven character here comes from a Greek word that describes the process of refining a precious metal such as gold or silver by putting it through a fiery furnace so that it comes out on the other side with all the impurities removed. That's the way God uses the fiery furnaces we go through. What does proven character produce? It says right here, hope. And hope is that same divine certainty that we saw from salvation 
of the eternal promises of God. And here Paul goes a little further. And what does he do? He says, it does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love and the Holy Spirit living in us. Okay, that's our text. So how do we live this out? How do we live this out on a daily basis? Well, Christians don't escape storms. But you see, we have someone to walk through us with us to the other side. And in Mark 4, Jesus told the disciples, let's get into the boat and we're going to the other side. And you remember what happened? They got about halfway out in the middle of the sea. This big storm came up. And the Bible describes that the waves were overlapping. The boat was filling up. They thought it was going to capsize and that they were all going to die. And they turn around and look at Jesus. And what was he doing? He was asleep. He was resting. They awaken him. And he calms the sea. What's the principle of that story for us, that message for us? The boat won't sink and the storm won't last forever. The 1970 Grammy Song of the Year was a song entitled Bridge Over Troubled Water. And over the years I've heard a number of Christian speakers talk about that song. And that's what Jesus is. He's our bridge over troubled water. That may sound good, but it is theologically wrong. He is not our bridge over troubled water. He's our bridge through troubled water. And he's the one that holds our hand and rows the boat with us. So now let's get practical. Because trials and suffering come to us in three areas of life. And they often overlap and one impacts the other. And what are those three areas? Health, wealth, and family. And what do we mean by health? Well, we mean sickness. We mean illness. We mean debilitation. And it can't even mean death. That is the first one. And I promise you that if you have some illness, it's affecting family, all of those around you. And God may be using it as much in their lives as he is yours. What's the second one? Wealth. And that simply means our job, our work, our career, our conflict at work, or our financial investments, or our retirement income. And it's not easy to lose a job. And the implications and the impact, and I promise you it's going to affect those other areas. It can affect your health, and it certainly is going to affect family. And then that third one, health, wealth, and family. Because in the family, it may simply be just an internal conflict, or it may be a major one. It can be a divorce. It can be adultery. It can be a problem with a rebellious child. It may be an issue with a sibling. All of these things interact and interface and are interwoven. And you know what I found over the years? That oftentimes God allows us to go through two or three of these at a similar time. When Kathy and I lived in Tennessee, we were in our mid-30s. And here we go with health, wealth, and family. First of all, she had to have major surgery. And we didn't know but what it could be cancerous, but praise God it was not. Secondly, I get this notice from the IRS. 
oh my. Because we had two years earlier given a major contribution to the building program at our church. So our contributions had a big blip in it. Well, when they got through, they owed us $1.47. I almost wanted to stand up and clap. And then the third one, we had a home burglary. And miraculously, God blocked the entrance to the back door and probably saved real harm to our two young daughters. Well, that prepared us. That gave us experience. That gave us perseverance for some much bigger things that have happened since then. And the most difficult and gut-wrenching, the 27 years that we cared for aging and very ill parents, particularly the last five, that's the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. But you know what? I had watched my dad, who was a tough booger to deal with, honor his mother and dad when they went through issues. That meant a lot more for me. And I just pray my daughters were watching. <laughs> because they're probably going to select my nursing home. Well, many times our trials, whether it's death, disease, job loss, or whatever, we cannot explain those in human terms. And we may never explain them. We may never understand them, know the reason or the answer until we get to heaven. But as we walk through the fire, we're going to find out a lot about ourselves, about our family, about our God, about our faith, and about the people of God who love us and care for us. One of the great responsibilities of our church. And I think that's why it's so important that we're plugged in to a small group, a Sunday school class, because that is the very area where people can really get to know each other and step forward. Well, God allows us to go through trials. Sometimes we don't know why. But other times, we do know why. We do know why. And one reason is to get our attention to focus on Him and to make some life changes. That's happened to me and Kathy many times. But it's happening right now to our youngest granddaughter. She just turned 13. She's been 12. Some of you know she's been an elite gymnast, putting in some 30 hours of training, and I mean intense training and lessons every week to get home from school and be back or over to the gym at 4 o'clock and not getting home till 8.30, missing meals with her family. And I had a great concern that at her young age and six years of that pounding and that incredible, intense training, that her little skeletal structure was not mature enough to handle it. And a little over six months ago, her left elbow completely degenerated with the bone, the cartilage, and the growth plate. What did she do? Even before she was going to have to have very specialized surgery, she began to look at what she could do next that wouldn't require that elbow. And the day before she went into surgery, she made a t-shirt. Across the front of that t-shirt, she wrote this. 
and she wore it into the hospital when she went. God has bigger plans for me, present, future, than I had for myself. I was so proud of her. And her rehab is not over, and we won't know till the end of the month that she's not going to have to have additional surgery. And the second reason we go through is to mature and grow us to be more like Jesus in his character. And I can promise you from experiences that the intensity, the meaningfulness, and the lasting effect of those times of prayer, those times of Bible study and scripture memory are still indelibly within my heart and within my mind. Because those are times that we grow and we allow God to grow us. And then we come to the third one. We find it in 2 Corinthians 1.4. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. That's the third reason. And oftentimes, there is a progression. He gets our attention, he grows and matures us, and then he provides that opportunity for us to be used to impact another life. And that's very important in the Christian walk that is before us. God gives us, when that happens, an instant credibility and an instant relationship with that other person. Because they may say, well, this is what I'm going through. And I'm worn out. I'm tired of it. You don't know how I feel because you haven't been through it. But if you have been through it, you can say, I know it hurts. I sympathize with you. But let me tell you, I did experience that. And this is how God walked me through it. You know, our greatest life message and ministry often come from our deepest trials and our deepest hurts. And the witness of our lives is many times more appropriate and even more meaningful than quoting someone's scripture. You may not always know what to say, but an understanding ear, a kind word, a smile, and just your presence of being there for them Maybe what is really needed at that time. Yes, Romans 5 is a message about love, about God's love, and the love of God's people, and all that comes with it and ministers to us and the eternal hope. And perhaps the greatest promise of all is found in Hebrews 13:5, which says, I will never leave you nor forsake you remember suffering and trials are temporary but the promises of God are eternal and last forever our five words this morning rejoice trials perseverance character and there could not be a better word to end on than that word of hope that word of hope and in Colossians 1.27, we find these words. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Christ in you, the divine certainty of glory. And this promise of hope and certainty of his eternal love cannot be received or can it even be given away unless Jesus Christ is in you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you walk with us every day of our lives. You know the trials that we're facing. You know the trials that we've faced in the past. And you know the trials that we're going to face in the future. And help us as we've looked at your word to know that you walk with us, that we may not understand, but we do know who to trust. And Father, I just pray now for this time of invitation that if someone does not have Christ in their life, that they will. Or if there's a family here or an individual that needs a church home, that they would know that this is a church home that will love them, that will care for them, and that will help them to grow and mature in you. In Jesus' name we pray. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, we come to a time of invitation. The staff is here this morning, and they'll pray with you. They'll share Jesus with you. They'll tell you about our church, how you can become a part of this family. But whatever it is that you need to do this morning, as God lays this on your heart, you come.